It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes. The Locked On Hawkeyes is a part of the Locked On Sports Network, and we are the latest addition to the Locked On Sports Network's growing lineup of college podcasts. I'm your host, Andrew Wade, editor over at DearOldGold.com, where you can find analysis pieces on all things black and yellow. And there is a lot of stuff going on in the Hawkeye world today. And we have a very special guest with us today, Quinn Douglas, who I believe has written for Dear Old Gold and now writes for Saturday Blitz. Quinn, how are you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, buddy. And where can the, where can the folks find you on Twitter? You're a great follow. Uh, you can follow me uh, at Quinn Douglas underscore FS on Twitter. That's my Twitter handle. Awesome, man. How did you get into writing? I know, um, obviously, you write for a Saturday Blitz, and I know you put some stuff out potentially for Dear Old Gold. Would, would love to hear a little bit more of your backstory on that. Uh, I really got started. Uh, it really, it's really in high school. Uh, I did the, we had a journalism class in high school. I covered a lot of the sporting events. I went to a small high school, only about 150 kids total, 9 through 12. So I was kind of involved. I kind of knew about everything. I knew about football, obviously playing football in high school. Basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, track and field. So I kind of did a little bit of everything. They really, I really started to explore it more when I got into college. Uh, my first sports writing job was at a website called thesportsquotient.com. I found it out through one of the uh, heads of the journalism department here at the University of Iowa, who sends out emails routinely, uh, job opportunities and internships. And it so happened to come up one day. I thought I, I would apply and use some of my material from high school, and I got the job and. I was there for about a month and a half, and then about towards the end of October, uh, I was recruited to come write for fans cited as Saturday Blitz, and in late October 2017, I joined Saturday Blitz as a uh, contributor, and I've been there ever since. That's awesome, man. That's fantastic. Love to it's, – it's interesting how everyone kind of gets, you know, gets started with writing mm-hmm. and with kind of sports in general. I mean, heck, I started – literally about a year ago was, you know, <laughs> wanted to get back into the, you know, the, the passion mm-hmm. of writing. I did the same thing in high school and throughout college and uh, was able to, to jump in pretty quickly. So exciting stuff. And man, we have a good episode today to talk about with our, with our listeners though, on segment one, we're going to be talking about Iowa basketball and what the season has meant to us at this point, giving kind of a recap and then talking through, you know, the MVPs, disappointments, that sort of thing. We're about a quarter of the way, maybe a third of the way through the season. So wanted to, to touch on that. And then in segment two, we're going to be discussing all of the news and awards that have been handed out. And there has been a ton of stuff happening since our last episode. And then finally, on segment three, we're going to take a look at, you know, the Hawkeyes performance in the NFL. There were some fantastic performances this past weekend, namely George Kittle. And just in general, man, the Iowa Hawkeyes are really showing out this year, as they do most years. But I think we're starting to see a little bit more of the position players make an impact. Obviously, it's we're usually seeing a lot of offensive linemen have fantastic years, but it's a little bit harder to notice them when they're in the trenches and they're not putting up the, you know, the 10 touchdowns or 1,100 receiving yards that Kittle mm-hmm. is. So, And then that's going to be our episode for today. So before we jump in, though, I want to make sure that our listeners are subscribing to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast at. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you on your, your thoughts, content, suggestions, feedback, et cetera. And you can follow the Hot Locked On Hawkeyes podcast at Locked On Iowa. And you can follow myself at Wade underscore Andrew. So, Quinn, let's get started right now with segment number one. Looking at the Iowa basketball season, I would say it's a pretty, pretty great season so far. You know, they're 7-2. and two. They got off to a hot start. They beat Oregon and UConn 
Granted, neither of which are ranked now. Oregon's kind of dropped out and, you know, hasn't mm-hmm. looked as good as what preseason expectations are. They lost to Wisconsin in the game. I really think they should have won. And they got blown out by Michigan State. But they came back big on Thursday night and had an awesome win versus Iowa State. I loved the energy and intensity of that game brought. And obviously, you know, it got a little chippy. But personally, yeah. I love yeah. seeing emotion. In it. And were you at that game? I was calling the game for carry UI, so I was really having to be on my toes. As a matter of fact, I was uh, doing play-by-play for the first half of carry UI. Uh, right, uh, I believe it was the under-12 timeout is when the Cordell Pemsel michael Jacobson incident happened. And I was looking down at my the, the stats website that the university provides for all the basketball games, and I look up, and next thing I know, I see Jacobson in Pemsel. <laughs> I mean, shoving each other back and forth. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. When, like, when did this happen? Like, wh- what caused this? So it was – I definitely never seen vitriol like that at that kind of a level for Iowa and Iowa State. It's always been a pretty respectful rivalry, but man, that was really a first for me seeing something along those lines. Yeah, man, it escalated quickly. And it, obviously at the end of the game, obviously we had a, additional issues, and it really yeah. seemed to, to center around Jacobson and to yeah. an extent Connor McCaffrey. And uh, I heard a lot of – I talked to a lot of Iowa State fans, and you know their big sentiment was everyone's going to hate Connor McCaffrey for the next four years. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean, and and part of me was like, I totally get it, but I'm glad he's on our team. At the same time, Jacobson was the same type of player on the other side. I mean, he was stirring up a lot of that, Um, and it's interesting because you know he's a transfer student. Granted, he's from I believe Waukee, or he played. In the, he played high the school. He played high school ball at Waukee. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So I mean, he understands what that means, and I will say though, I mm-hmm. like the intensity of it. You're right. I don't. You don't typically see that kind of stuff in an Iowa Iowa State game. It, it's it's a competitive rivalry, but it's respectful. Yeah. But I also think you know Steve Prom really didn't help that along. He was kind of getting mm-hmm. into it, and I thought Fran McCaffrey really handled it in the best way he possibly could. I, I personally thought. And, I wanted to get and Steve on that. came out in the post. Steve came out came out in the post game press conference and apologized for his actions. He said that he didn't handle it the way he should have. And I was you know, I was glad to see them. Glad he took the high road, took full responsibility for what happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I did see that too. It's just uh it was a fun game, man. And it was I think that was the difference between Iowa falling out of the rankings this week and versus staying yeah. in the rankings. Because Iowa State's a really well respected team. They have a few people that have been injured. They're dealing with some they were dealing with some suspensions throughout the year. And then obviously they have the two transfers that have come in and kind of led the team so far. So big win for the Hawks. Uh, one of the things I honestly, the biggest thing I love to see from that game is Corden Pencil, who was supposed to be redshirting and then decided yeah. to try it out again. And uh, man, his energy was ext- like it was, I can't enthusiastic. Oh, it was awesome. It was, it was, it was a to watch. game changer. It was a game changer. And I think every, I think you were just as shocked as everybody in press row was when they, I, I believe it was Chai Lysico, the Des Moines Register, was the one who broke it about probably about an hour before tip-off, and I think everybody was just as surprised as you were. I could, I, and at that point, we had just found out that Wieskamp was going to be able to go. So it was kind of everything was happening at once before the game. So it's kind of hitting you all at once. So you're trying to scramble and figure out, okay, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? So it was definitely a crazy, it was definitely a crazy build-up to the game, which turned out to be a very exciting one. Absolutely. I kind of equate, you know, I'm a big, I like LeBron James. I, I, I'll openly admit that I'm not a big specific MBT, NBA team fan, but it kind of reminded me of like a Matthew Deladova in the sense, like yeah. just energetic all over the court, willing to be that guy doing the dirty work. Mm-hmm. And I love that he stepped in right before, you know, Connor McCaffrey and Tyler Cook did anything and kind of shoved, you know, 
you know, Nicholson. Please. Yeah, like I thought that yeah, was Michael, fantastic. Yeah, Michael Jacobson and yeah. let him know this isn't going to happen. Yeah, I We're thought that was great. This. Like he knew what his role in that situation was. So it was fantastic to see. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I want to talk about, you know, jumping into Tyler Cook. If we had to talk about kind of where we're at this point in the season, personally, I would say Tyler Cook has been far and away the MVP of the team. I mean, he's playing like a freaking madman out there. He's, you know, attacking the rim. He's getting the free throw line. Even if he's not really capitalizing on his, the amount of free throw attempts he's taking, he has been dominant on the offensive side of the board and, and more engaged on the defensive side of the board. Even if, I mean, I think mm-hmm. the Michigan State game was a little bit of an outlier for a season where he yeah. kind of he really struggled defensively and they attacked down low. But I think that has just as much to do with Luke Garza as it does Tyler Cook. But wanted to get your thoughts. Who is your MVP for this season? Well, I, th- I think you're right on that. I definitely think it's Tyler Cook. Although, personally, I think you could really make a case for Connor McCaffrey, even though he's not a starter. He has been a glue guy for the Hawkeyes coming off the bench. He's probably been the most consistent player game in and game out, just in terms of being steady, getting getting his buckets, being able to run the offense at a very, very high level. So uh, Tyler Cook is the obvious choice, but I think you could really make a case for Connor McCaffrey. But like I said, Tyler Cook's been setting the world on fire, and I have been game in and game out. I'm just more and more impressed with his effort, his intensity, and his hustle, along with the, the freak skill set that he has that he's shown on the offensive end. Absolutely. And I think, you know, touching on the Connor McCaffrey, I don't disagree at all. The guy's been fantastic. And when he's out there, the team is just so much more efficient offensively um, mm-hmm. against Iowa State. When he wasn't on the court, they really struggled a little bit to get things moving. And, and personally, I don't mean this to attack any players. I, you know, they're all college kids, but the ball kind of stops and dies when Jordan Bohannon is the one running the point guard position. Mm-hmm. The, the, the offense is operating at a more efficient level when McCaffrey's one, because he's a true point guard, has a true point guard mindset, I feel yep. like, when he's in the game. And yeah, yeah he, de- yeah, he definitely does. He, he does. And I think Jordan does an okay job of being able to distribute the ball, but right now he's just he's in a funk. And it happens with great shooters like Jordan. Every once in a while, you're going to get in a funk. And I don't mind. And, you know, you saw him take some shots against Iowa State in games before that where it's like, well, I'm not sure. But what all he's trying to do there is just make sure he can get his confidence back, find a stroke. Because as good as a shooter as Jordan Bohannon is, this this uh, slump won't last for long for him. Absolutely. And it's kind of impressive that Iowa's gotten out to the start they've had with mm-hmm. Jordan Bohannon struggling so much from – you know, from, you know, from the, the you know, three-point line and everywhere pretty much on the court in terms of shooting. And honestly, I would say if I had to pick my biggest disappointment, it would be Jordan Bohannon. I mean, he was expected mm-hmm. – and, and not that he isn't being. He's, he is the leader of this team. He is yeah. the guy who's going to move this team forward. And he's the guy that ultimately, if they want to win games in March, they're going to need him to be hot. And so to be at 7-2 and two with him struggling as much as he is, I mean, I'm pretty impressed so far. Mm-hmm. And then also I would say Luke Garz has kind of been – a relative disappointment. I mean, this guy is, is an inside out type player. He can, you know, he's a former four star recruit and he is struggling to shoot the ball. He yeah. doesn't seem like he's really putting his, not to, for lack of a better term, putting his back into it. He's not willing to be aggressive down low and he's kind of getting pushed around, which is disappointing because of the size advantage he has held on pretty much every single team that the Hawkeyes have played. For, for you, who would be your biggest disappointment? Well, if you asked me before we played Iowa State, I would have had to say Isaiah Moss because he really had had a slow start to the year up until the Iowa State game where he absolutely shot. He went off in the first half, which was unbelievable. He kept I mean, they didn't matter if the threes were contested or not. He was taking it and he was making it. And it was 
definitely if Isaiah Moss to make his shots consistently like he did against Iowa State, Iowa would be a contender for the Big Ten championship in the regular season. But unfortunately, Moss doesn't really have that consistency. But I would have to say, you know, you I think you're right on the Jordan Bohannon part. I think he has been the biggest disappointment. Not that he hasn't been good per se. He just hasn't lived up to what we thought he could be this year. And Luca Garza, I think, is more of an example of this is his second year. You know, the sophomore blues is a real thing. Like it's it's sometimes it's unexplainable. But in his case, I think it's the the jump of competition happened so drastically. I mean, granted, Syracuse and Oregon were good teams, but I don't think they had the big the talent in the post outside of Bull Bull uh, for Oregon to really match up with Luca Garza. And once they got into Wisconsin and Michigan State, Garza got thrown right in there with some of the best posts in the country and Ethan Happ, uh, Nick Ward, just to name a few. He got really thrown thrown into the fire really early on against two two of the best post players in the big 10 conference. Absolutely. I mean, you make a, you make a really good point. Even, you know, bull bull was very, you know, is, is going to be very good. He obviously has an NBA future ahead of him, but you know, he's just a freshman as well. So he's still figuring out the game and it's a little bit easier to manipulate someone like him than it's going to be to manipulate a, a senior like Ethan Happ. So I, I would, I would have to agree with that. And then finally jumping into kind of the biggest surprise of the season, I would honestly say it's Connor McCaffrey and Joe Weiskamp making such impressive contributions obviously you know joe is Mm -hmm. uh you know gatorade all iowa play you know iowa gatorade player of the year he you know he's a four-star recruit one of the top recruits fran's ever had so you expect them to make a contribution but he's really been impressive to me on both sides of the floor defensively and offensively just getting um involved in the game and then obviously coming back with a sprained ankle and trying to play i mean he didn't have he didn't set the world on fire against iowa state but it was still impressive nonetheless to come back on such short time and then Finally, McCaffrey, you're, what you said earlier is absolutely right. The guy has been the glue guy for the offense, and he's really been the guy who gets that offense going, and I love seeing him on the floor. He's a true floor general, and you even saw it when they were playing Iowa State with Isaiah Moss on fire. There's one point Connor McCaffrey kind of drove, backed off the defenders, and just turned around and just handed the ball to Isaiah Moss mm-hmm. to just drain another three-pointer. So um, that's really been impressive to me so far. I'd have to give a lot. I, I agree with both of those. I can see – I can see why people, especially you, would make those pit, would choose those players. But I'm going to throw out somebody I don't think is going to be talked about enough, and that is Ryan Creener. He's cooled off a little bit in the first four, in the last four games against the Power Five teams, but he had, in, especially in New York against Bull Bull, he dominated Bull Bull. This supposed freak sensation, which he is. I mean, it's no disrespect to Bull Bull, but Bull Bull got absolutely schooled by Ryan Creener. I get from Spirit Lake, Iowa who came out of high school as a three-star recruit and took a five-star freaking nature like Bull Bull and just absolutely schooled him. And in Madison Square Garden, nonetheless, I think Ryan Creener has been a very integral part. It just doesn't show on the statue. He's making the effort plays. He's doing, he's doing what he's supposed to. He knows his job. Fran McCaffrey has been really high about how much Ryan Creener improved from last season. That's why I think Ryan Creener is definitely the uh, – the, the, definitely the most improved player and definitely the, the surprise player of the year for Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very, you know, fair, uh, fair choice there. I mean, he's the, he's the seventh, he was the second player off the bench on Connor McCaffrey and he's kind of, he's mm-hmm. the first player to come in, you know, in the front court. So he's, he's been a huge contributor so far. He has a couple of double digit scoring games. And again, he's one of those guys who can be effective down low or at the three point line and, and makes, post players work harder even when you have cook off the floor or guards off the floor so I, I definitely don't disagree with that at all 
Oh, man, real quick, before we jump into – I think that kind of wraps it up for the basketball um, talk for today. Before we jump into segment two, though, have you ever heard of Sling TV? I think I've heard bits and pieces about it. I know I heard it a couple times on your podcast. Awesome. Well, you'll hear it again here because we have a fantastic offer for you and for the rest of our Locked On listeners. Because if you're like me, you hate to miss your favorite team play, regardless of who they are playing. And that's where Sling TV comes in. Now, we never have to miss a football or a basketball game. And the best part is we no longer have to pay for a bunch of channels we don't even watch with a typical cable package. For just $30 a month, you can get access to ESPN, Big Ten Network, and more without the hassle of a long-term contract. What's even more exciting is that we have a fantastic offer for you. Our Locked On listeners can get a free seven-day trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. Never miss a game again with Sling TV. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, man. So before we jump into segment two, wanted to quickly give our listeners a quick uh, announcement. On segment three, we're going to be talking about the Hawks in the NFL. Want to make sure you are aware to you know stick on after we get through a segment two because segment two is going to be riveting and exciting. Tons of stuff have been happening in the Hawkeye world the last few days. And the first one I wanted to quickly touch on is that the Hawks received a commitment from a kicker, Luke Amara, from Wisconsin. And typically, you know, kickers don't really, you know, move my move my change or tickle my fancy a ton. But I looked at some of his some of his videos and whatnot, and the kid's got a big leg. He's six foot three, two hundred and five pounds, um, really strong leg. Not super heavily recruited, but I think with Miguel Racino's leaving, um, obviously Keith Duncan kicked two years ago and. He's kind of the front runner, front runner to win the kicking job this upcoming year. But um, this is a guy I think you want, we may want to watch out for. I mean, uh, some he's kicked the, you know field goals as long as sixty yards, so there's some talent there coming up uh, from Wisconsin. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Iowa's had a great history of kickers, especially since Kirk Ferentz took over. You look right when Ferentz really went about Ferentz's second or third years when Nate Gating came into the program, and he was a game changer on the special teams. One of the Best field goal kickers, the best field goal kicker in Iowa history, I would say, and one of the best field goal kickers probably in the history of the Big Ten Conference. You have other clutch kickers such as Kyle Schlicker, who replaced Daniel or uh, who replaced Nate Kading, rather Daniel Murray. He, he hit the uh, game-winning field goal against Penn State all those years ago mm-hmm. to uh, help propel Iowa to their second big run under Kirk Ferentz. Other kickers, some some others that kind of get forgotten are kickers like Mike Meyer, who was a very consistent kicker some of those teams in the early uh, part of the second decade of the 2000s. And Marshall Kane was also a very good kicker for the Hawkeyes. So Iowa's had a history of pretty good kickers coming in and out of the program. Hopefully he's the next in a long line of good kickers coming into Iowa City. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to see what he can do. It'll be a fun battle to watch next season. And so sticking with the theme of football, uh, we have another transfer. And this is kind of the time for transfers. You know, at the end of the season, you start kind of looking at the depth chart. You start looking at the prospect of your playing time and you have to make a decision that's going to impact your future. And, and unfortunately uh, we're losing another cornerback. Trey Kramer, retro freshman is going to be leaving the program and it makes sense. 
I mean, Iowa had two true freshmen starting this past year in a few games. We had Riley Moss and Julius Brents. And obviously you have Hankins and Ojemudia that are going to be start, you know, battling at them for playing time. There doesn't leave a lot of playing time for some of the other reserve players who are you know, still young guys, but obviously they want to search for greener pastures. And it sounds like you, know, you even know Kramer, and it's, it's going to be a, a t- even tougher mm-hmm. departure for you. Yeah, I, I I don't I knew Trey. Uh, I've been we had a class together first semester freshman year. I, I don't like to name drop or kind of you know kind of drop that in there. But he was a good kid, and I always I always respected what he was about. Very bright young young man, uh, just a very and a really easy guy to get along with. He was all you know he was a funny guy, had a great sense of humor. But when he got down to business, he was really he's one of the harder workers I think I've ever seen in the classroom. And he's a good kid. I really hope I really wish the best for him. So it's definitely. You know, it's good. It's sad to see him go, but you got to do what's best for your future. And I commend Trey for doing that. Absolutely, man. I think that's what, you know, I 100% agree with you. When people leave, obviously it sucks. You don't want to see people leave, but these are kids who are looking out for themselves and they need to look out for themselves because, I mean, most college football programs don't really truly care. I think I was one of the exceptions to that, but even still, you need to look out for yourself and know where you need to go to, to get the playing time and ultimately get the exposure that you need. So. And jumping the line of exposure, there's no senior bowl invites so far for Iowa Hawkeyes. They've kind of announced most of the roster. Uh, typically, coaches sometimes wait to hand out some of those invites. I really thought uh, a guy like Parker Hesse or Jake Travas would potentially get an invite, but nothing's come so far. I thought that was a, kind of an interesting development. I don't know if you follow the Reese's Senior Bowl at all, but want to get your thoughts if there's anyone that you, know, you really thought would be making that, that trip for Iowa. Quinn, we lose you there. All right. Well, while we wait for uh, Quinn to, to get his audio to jump in on and working. We'll jump into the men's wrestling team. Did beat Lehigh 28 to 14. That's a big win for the number four ranked wrestling program. Lehigh is the number 15 team in the nation. They beat them 28 to 14. Big win considering the, the struggles Iowa had against uh, a weaker Iowa state opponent. Um, the past week. And then it sounds like you might be back there, Quim. Just jump in where you get a chance to. And then. Hello? Yeah, you there? Did I do it? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Perfect. Like I said, like I said before, we went on my mic's a little fidgety sometimes. So. No worries at all, man. I was just. What I was, what I was saying before, uh, what I was going to say to answer your question, I think Kirk Ferentz, really, I could really see him sending Keegan Render to the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's had yeah. a really productive senior season. I think he's definitely at least played his way to a free agent contract if he doesn't get drafted in the NFL. He's a really smart offensive lineman, and you you have to be a smart, smart guy to play center, especially on the off- at an offensive line as good as Iowa. So Keegan Render is another guy. I think we might see get a late invitation to the Reese's Senior Bowl. Absolutely, that's a very good call. I mean, I believe he was third team All Big Ten, or maybe even second team All Big Ten. So it'd be interesting to see if that that happens. I know. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it. Any any Iowa Hawkeyes get invited or you know get those late invites, mm-hmm. just because I'm I currently travel out to New Orleans a lot, and it's a pretty easy drive for me. What I plan on doing is trying to make yeah. it over there for a couple of days. So awesome, man! And then from the men's basketball perspective, the AP rankings came out today. The men's team fell four spots to 22, and that was expected. You know they got mm-hmm. blown out by Michigan State, but they won against Iowa State. Um, kind of some for more reference, Wisconsin also fell after losing to Marquette. And then ISU is also getting some votes. So that was a good win for Iowa. I think we're going to find mm-hmm. that Iowa State has a really solid team, as we kind of talked about earlier. And then on the women's side, 
Uh, they actually stayed the same at 16. So they had three straight wins um, this past week. And then they kind of have a, they play you and I on Saturday and they have a tough game mm-hmm. against Drake later. But for right now, we're kind of staying at the status quo of 16. And they, they definitely have had a, they def, they've definitely had a great year. I mean, that when against Iowa State uh, on Wednesday night was definitely a thrilling one tonight. Davis heading the step back three to win the game. I mean, this is an Iowa women's basketball team that could, this is probably, I would venture as far to say this might be the best Iowa women's basketball team since the team that C. Vivian Stringer took to the final four back in the early 90s. Yeah, man. I mean, when, and the thing is, when you have a player like Megan Gustafson, you can go anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. having that star player to lead your team makes you tough to defend because, I mean, she's going to be an All American again this year and potentially, you know, be player of the year because of the performances she's putting up. I mean, it's just been so impressive watching her play this season. Like, it's truly uh, not to get, you know, her, you know, put a lot of hyperbole in here, but she's truly magical watching her play. And she, I, I've said time and time again, she might be the most exciting basketball player, men's or women's, to don the black and gold since Ronnie Lester was playing for the Hawkeyes back, back in the late 70s. And maybe some of you younger folks out there listening to this, if you don't know who Ronnie Lester is, Magic Johnson once said of Ronnie Lester, he was the toughest player I ever had to guard in college. And that was Magic Johnson saying that. That just gives you an idea how yeah. good was he was on the last Iowa men's basketball team to make a final four in 1979-1980 uh, but unfortunately got hurt in their final four loss to Louisville the eventual national champions that year yeah it's pretty pretty high praise I think all around and um, for those of you who don't maybe pay as much attention to the women's basketball team it's you need to be watching because this this team could be could make some you know could do some damage in the NCAA tournament obviously they had a, a tough game against Notre Dame but um, just a lot of things weren't clicking in that game, and mm-hmm. um, they they do have the talent to make that deep run. And, and that I mean, Notre Dame is all you got to remember too. Notre Dame is one of the top programs in women's college basketball in the country. They're in there year in and year out with teams like UConn, Mississippi State, South Carolina. That's not a bad loss to have on your resume whatsoever. Absolutely, you make yeah, I mean, make a very good point. And like I said I think if you get hot in that game, you could. You can still do some damage, and obviously Notre Dame isn't invincible. We just saw them lose um, later earlier this week to UConn, or not earlier this week, last week to UConn. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see, and we'll continue to track that as we go on. One other kind of cool award I wanted to get to is the Peisman Award, which is given to basically, and it's a, it's a fantastic award, uh, but it's given to offensive or defensive linemen, guys in the trenches that did the most unoffensive or defensive lineman type of thing. So basically, did they intercept a ball? Did they run? Did they run for a touchdown? Did they catch a touchdown pass? And our very own defensive tackle Sam Brinks was nominated for the Piesman. He was one of the five finalists for his touchdown catch um, on the fake field goal against Penn State. Um, obviously, if you did get a chance to check out Dear Old Gold, you will notice that he did not win. Um, unfortunate, but he did lose to at least a pretty solid competitor, Kyle Phillips, one from Tennessee. And if you got a chance to watch his tape, just go to the Piesman Award. It's on Twitter. You can look at all their Twitter videos of the, the different plays that made the, the five finalist picks. Kyle Phillips got the ball and just started chucking Alabama defenders off him as he rumbled for a touchdown. So Sam Brinks might have been more intentionally athletic, but Kyle Phillips is pretty darn good. And then wrapping it up, we have three All-Americans that were named today. Awesome to see. Um, that was tied for the most All-Americans in the Big Ten from this year. We have TJ Hawkinson and Amani Hooker taking home mm-hmm. second team All-American honors and Noah Fant bringing in the third team All-American honors. So fantastic to see that from a Kirk Ferentz program. Obviously, we have a ton of talent on this team. It's for me it's it, it's almost 
proving how talented I thought this team was and how much better mm-hmm. they could have done. It's unfortunate that, you know, they're sitting eight and four and we, I had such high expectations, but still nice to see at the end of the year, three all Americans, uh, you know, awesome to see that recognition given to the Hawks. Oh, absolutely. And those are three guys. That I think that were most deserving on the team. Noah fan, TJ Hawkinson, especially formed to maybe have the best tight end duo college football scene in a long, long time, especially at one school. And Imani hooker is a guy he got, you know, first team all big 10, second team all American, but you, sometimes you just really didn't hear a lot about him. Especially yeah. How good I was front four is and some of the other members of the secondary, you know, being in the shadow of players like Josh Jackson and Desmond King from years previous. It, it seemed like you didn't hear a lot about Imani hooker and he was a really solid player. And from what, from what I heard, Imani is, I, I, as far as I know, he's not going to the NFL. He's going to wait till after the bowl game to see where he stands. I have, I have a pretty good gut feeling that he will be staying for another year at Iowa. I think he'd really benefit from another year at Iowa, but I think what Salson has done at Iowa, he'll be one of the better defensive backs, which is saying some, especially with some of the talent we've had over the last few years, but one of the better defensive backs Iowa's had in the Kirk Ferentz era. I a hundred percent wholeheartedly agree. I actually, we talked about, uh, if you don't get a chance, if you're listening to this now, make sure to check out our Friday episode because I talked a lot with Sarah Bettinger, um, one of the, the co-experts at NFL Mocks on the fan side of the network. We talked a lot about Imani Hooker and whether or not you know he might be going to the NFL, and that was kind of the sentiment we got as well. I mean, he's just not – for some reason, he's not getting the hype from, from draft scouts all over. I mean, he's not even on the top ten of safeties available in this class, which is ridiculous to me, but – I think it'll benefit the Iowa football program. I think it'll benefit him to have mm-hmm. another year, um, come out, get some more game film. He'll be going into the, the, the preseason with a little bit more hype, and maybe some people will be watching some of his tape a little bit more. And Obviously, if Anthony Nelson declares, there will be an opportunity for some people to you know, see what Hooker does because it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what part of the tape you're watching. Hooker's involved in almost every single play, and he gets involved in every phase of the defense. Uh, he had at least – I think he had a sack this year. He played a lot of linebacker, had a couple of interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is just impressive, uh, just a true jack-of-all-trades. And, and you know, typically the thing that goes along with that is jack-of-all-trades, master of none. But he really did a great job of playing all three phases. Yeah, he was definitely a, a spark. He played that. He played outside linebacker whenever Iowa went up against spread teams when they kind of went to their nickel formation that they ran exclusively against teams like Indiana or Penn State or Purdue. And I thought he did a really good job in those roles. And that can show how versatile of a defender he can be. And I think that would really, you know, open the eyes up to NFL scouts thinking, hey, we could stick this guy at safety or if we really wanted to, we could bulk him up and have him play outside linebacker because now nowadays in the NFL to play outside linebacker, you got to be pretty fast to be an outside linebacker in the NFL. So he's definitely – someone that that uh, defensive coordinators in the NFL really could love having in terms of versatility. I, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. He'd be fantastic, and it'll be, it'll be fun to see what happens. But I, I honestly do hope – I'd assume he's going to be coming back just because of the limited amount of hype that's been given mm-hmm. to him. But we could probably talk all day about, about Hawkinson and Fant and Hooker. I mean, I, I've loved watching them play. I'm, I'm bummed I won't be able to see Fant play in the, the black and gold again, but I'm super excited about his career prospects, and I – I do think with the amount of hype that's coming to Hawkinson right now and the, the disappointing to not, not disappointing, but limited wide receiver class, there's a good chance we won't be seeing Hawkinson after the Outback Bowl anymore. But jumping into 
So that's kind of going to conclude our segment two. We want to jump into segment three. And coming up on segment three, we're going to be talking about Hawkeyes in the NFL. So Fant, Hooker, Hawkinson, we fully expect them to be on this list in the upcoming years. But we're going to talk about the guys who have made the jump to the NFL and are performing outstanding. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, we are back with segment three where we're going to be talking about the Hawkeyes in the NFL and the first person I want to talk about with you today, Quinn, is George Kittle. And this guy is lighting the NFL on fire, man. And he's doing it for a 49ers team that has had three different starting quarterbacks and is starting Nick Mullins, undrafted quarterback out of Southern Miss. This guy is, you know, Kittle is blowing it up right now. He is 10th in reception yards in the league out of all everyone and second behind Travis Kelsey and, and tight ends. And he's 22nd in receptions. Against Denver, man, he couldn't be covered. He couldn't be stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy just couldn't couldn't help but get open. And what I think is more impressive is his breakaway speed. I mean, they're getting mm-hmm. him open on crossing routes, and he's taking 80 yards to the house. So um, love seeing him play. Want to get your thoughts on, on Kittle. Well, I think a lot of people who followed Iowa football closely aren't really that surprised how good George Kittle could is doing in the NFL. I mean, 210 yards, obviously, you can't say you expected that in a single <laughs> game. I think a lot of people that follow the program closely aren't surprised that George Kittle is playing to the level he's playing at right now. He was a very, very good, I mean, very athletic football player when he was at Iowa, and he just so happened to be playing in the shadow of his older cousin, Henry Krieger Colbo, who in his own right was a very good tight end in college. And it kind of came in, he also played at a time where Iowa's offense, I mean, if he would have played in this offense with Brian Ferentz, he would have been he could have very well been a thousand yard receiver in back to back season. It's just so kind of the system he played in under Greg Davis wasn't quite while it did help the tight while it did did lean itself, lend itself to the tight ends a lot. It really didn't use as much as we'd seen in the past, but that's what Iowa's done over year after year after year is produce NFL NFL caliber tight ends. I mean, you go down the list, Dallas Clark, Tony Moiaki, Scott Chandler, uh Alan Reisner, just to name a few. I mean uh, CJ Fedorowicz is another. I was produced top talent tight ends in the NFL ever since Kirk Ferentz got he got to Iowa City. You go back even before Kirk was there. You had players like Marv Cook, and uh, another notable one is the current Attorney General of the United States, Matthew Whitaker, played tight end for Iowa uh, in the 1991 Rose Bowl. So the list of tight ends that have been stars in Iowa just goes on and on, even past the Ferentz era, back into the days of Hayden Fry. It's, it's truly impressive. I mean, I think, you know, you talk about like linebacker U and DBU. Do you think it's safe to call Iowa tight end U? I mean, I think it is. I think after, as of right now it is. I mean, you have, you produce, I mean, great talents like Dallas Clark, who is, should be an NFL Hall of Famer once his eligibility does uh, come around. And, you, you know, Marv Cook was a star of the NFL for years. CJ Fedorowicz, before his issues with concussions, was a top tight end in the league. George Kittle is definitely making this case to be top tight end of the league. And you've got two guys coming out of Iowa right now, or coming or at least one guy for sure coming out of Iowa. You know, a fan, another possible one, a TJ Hawkinson that could very well be top tier tight ends in the NFL. So I think it's a pretty safe assumption to call Iowa tight end you. 
I absolutely agree. And I, one thing I want to know for the fans is that we are actually in the works to try to get CJ Fedorowicz on the show. So there's a chance that CJ will be coming on the show, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we're, we're working closely with, with him to try to get him on there potentially. And then also maybe it's a good, maybe Quinn, we can have you back on. We can just do a show about tight end university, man, and talk about <laughs> the Hawks and, and he's tight. I think, you know, with the with the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a little slow, right? There's not there's no football games. Mm-hmm. The basketball season's kind of it's kind of hitting a lull until they get into the Big Ten slate of games. So maybe we can have you back on and we can discuss tight end university. I think that would be a fantastic episode. And then, kind of jumping away from tight ends, um, one other player I want to touch on that has just been lighting the world on fire. And you made a good point earlier. If anyone, you know, from from Iowa football fans saw George Kittle, they knew he was going to be good. I would say they would say the exact same thing about Desmond King. And the fact Mm -hmm. that this guy fell to the fifth round, the NFL should be slapping themselves. This is, this is pathetic that he didn't get drafted until the fifth round because of, to be honest, bullcrap concerns about his ability to twist his hips, his speed. I believe he ran like a four, five, five, 40. The guy can flat out play football. And that's what all, that's really all that should have mattered. And this guy has been lighting the world on fire. He is the number one ranked corner, according to Pro Football mm-hmm. Focus. He just got AFC Special Teams of the Week honors for Week 13 when he returned a, a punt for a touchdown. I mean, this guy's incredible. I hate I'm – I'm a huge Broncos fan, and I hate playing against <laughs> him. He's so good. <laughs> well, I'll join you in that, Bo, because I'm a huge Raiders fan, and he's killed us so far this year. So, And definitely, I mean, he is – I said – I told a lot of my friends, a lot of the people that I know that are – Iowa fans, I told him, don't worry about where he was drafted. Desmond King is going to be a star in the NFL. And this year he has been, you know, he's been a star. He has three interceptions on the year, including a pick six against the Seattle Seahawks. And he's also got two punt returns for touchdown this year. So he's by far and away been one of the, I mean, I think he was, may have been the biggest miss of his of the 2016 draft class. I mean, it's like you or the 2017 draft class, rather. It's like you said, to think he fell all the way to the fifth round just because of how fast he ran without pads on is unbelievable to think about. Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, you look at guys that. I mean, you don't have to be the fastest guy in the NFL to play cornerback. Do you have to have some speed? Sure, but a four-five forty—that's not a bad forty time, especially when you have the ball skills that Desmond King had, and they were always on full display when he was a hot guy, especially in 2015 when he had eight interceptions. In his juniors, in his uh, sophomore season, rather. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm hoping that you know the success that he's having, the success that Micah Hyatt is having, and the what I would assume is going to be eventual success. Josh Jackson has struggled a little bit, has some good moments and whatnot, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. that's helping NFL scouts realize what Iowa does in terms of defensive backs, what kind of defensive back talent they're producing, and also to help them understand to maybe stop looking so closely at things that they typically would have thought were super important before and realize that if the guy can play, the guy can play. I mean, Josh Jackson fell to the second round because of concerns about his hips and his, you know, his straight line speed. And the guy is going to be, t- I mean, he's going to be very strong player for the Packers. I'm um, obviously they're having struggles all over the team right now, but, um, and he even had some moments in preseason, but I, I hope this will maybe even help Imani Hooker if he comes back for another year to maybe elevate his draft stock, just based on the fact that if he doesn't test well, you know, some of these DBs coming out of Iowa, if they can play like they've been playing at Iowa, they can play in the NFL. Absolutely. And that's what Phil Parker, that's the kind of and these guys like Desmond King and Josh Jackson, those are the kind of DBs Phil Parker wants to recruit to Iowa and wants to bring guys in. They may not have the fastest 40 time in the world, but they have unbelievable ball skills. They have 
I'm, I mean, they're they jump, they can they're able to jump out of the building. Josh Jackson, for those of you out there that might not kind of remember when he came out of high school, he was a seven foot high jumper in the state of Mississippi. He was an unbelievable at or Texas rather, not Mississippi, but he was a unbelievable athlete coming out of high school. And that's the kind of guys that Kirk Ferentz and Phil Parker look for at a DB. And you definitely have it there right now with Michael with guys like Michael Jamudia, Riley Moss. Riley Moss is the one example. He was a 13 high hurdler in high school his senior year. And if any of you know out there know anything about track and field, that was one of the top five fastest times in the country. Those are the kind of guys Iowa wants. They want multi-sport athletes, especially for DBs. They want guys that can jump out of the gym and are able to play the football like nobody else they can find in the country. And they've done a great job, especially with guys like Desmond King and Jess Jackson. Yeah, and it's, it's one of the things I love about the Iowa football program, man. It's it's the fact that they look for other qualities. They look for – and they have to. When you're a team like Iowa, you're, you're competing against the Ohio States and the Alabamas, and you need to find your edge. I mean, it's not money ball type edges, but mm-hmm. it's a different kind of edge. Finding those multi-sport athletes who have other skills that can translate to playing football at the D1 level. And, well, man, yeah. that, that will – so we have a – we're kind of at time at this point. Wanted to cover a couple other guys, but I think I can save that for another episode. Quinn, I really okay. appreciate you coming on, man. Really enjoyed talking to you today. Mm-hmm. I think obviously we'll need to need to have you back on another time. We can talk about tight end university and and jump yeah. into that stuff. Do you have any last comments before um, I close out the show? Uh, I I can just I'm, I'm going to do a shameless self plug here. Next uh, this upcoming Saturday, Iowa is playing you and I the Big Four Classic. I will be on the call for 89.7 carry UI for any. Uh, Listeners out here in Eastern Iowa, or I'll be online at Mixler.com slash K-R-U-I. Tip-off is at 6.30, I believe, at Wells Fargo Arena. I will be on the call by that just by myself, so I'm flying it solo. So we'll see how that goes, but it should be a fun one uh, for the final Big Four Classic held in Wells Fargo Arena. Absolutely, man. We'll, we'll be listening to you, and um, also our, our Locked On listeners can follow you at Quinn Douglas underscore FS on Twitter. And you can follow the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast at Locked On Iowa, and you can follow me, your host, Andrew Wade, at Wade underscore Andrew. And that'll do it for our Tuesday episode. We'll be back again tomorrow, have lots of great content coming to you the next couple of days. Like I said, a little bit of a slow period in Hawkeye athletics, but we will not be missing a beat with the stuff we're bringing you. And with that being said, you can follow our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast at. Please leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And you can also reach us at LockedOnHawkeyes at gmail.com. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening, all Hawkeye Nation. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.